Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. This week is a special mashup edition. We pulled together some of our favorite moments from various episodes about the science of sex and love. You'll hear clips from my interview with Dan Savage and Mary Roach, and you'll hear from comedians Kristen Schaal and Chuck Nice, and from our go-to love expert, Dr. Helen Fisher. So, without any further delay, in the words of the Beastie Boys, let's get busy. Chuck, I was feeling that one. I love it. I see you feeling yeah, it. Yeah, turning myself on. Well, I don't know. What, what, that's, that's just, sometimes you feel the universe flowing through you. Right on. <laughs> and, well, you know, that's when you're a Jedi, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, welcome back. It's always good to be here, Neil. Yeah, yeah. So, t tonight we're going to be talking about sex. Okay. And, re <laughs> and relationships. Okay. And, and dating. <laughs> I like the first part of that. <laughs> the other two I can do without, but the first part is not. Awesome. I know you, you know, you're a man. I know you, you, you have some expertise, but it's not the kind of expertise I'm looking for in okay. this. Okay. So we got to bring some extra, extra armament in on this conversation. Professor Helen Fisher, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes. <laughs> you, you are a specialist. At, what is the academic specialty that describes you? I'm a biological anthropologist. Bi but I, well, that's, yeah. that's ten syllables. Yeah. Biological anthropologist. Exactly. Evolution. Evolution of love. Yeah, so uh, we're featuring today my interview with Dan Savage, who is like the online expert on love yeah. and relationships yeah. and everything that go with it. And, you know, of course, we have a changing face of relationships today because right. it used to be 
uh, I was thinking it used to be a hangout at a bar, but people still do that. So, right. But the, the internet has changed all of this and, right. and Tinder, yeah. you know. Yeah. You... I, actually, these are very old. In fact, we're moving forward to the kinds of relationships we had a million years ago. Really? Yeah. We're actually shedding about 10 Wait, 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 wait. I just mentioned <laughs> Tinder, which operates on a smartphone, and your right. next line is, we've had this since cavemen. Yeah. Well, what, what do you do on and Tinder? You, you look... swipe uh, cave walls back in the day. <laughs> First they would draw it, and then they would swipe no, it. No, no, no. What they do, they swipe the actual person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you so it's old it's just a new method you're saying yes absolutely well that's good to know and what we found that and you and you've been at this for 30 years yeah I'm a little more a little more than 30 yeah. job or sex <laughs> both All right. <laughs> so so dan savage i i, I you know this, this resume is great because he puts his last name in all the names of stuff right. so so he's got a column called savage love Okay. Yeah, you know, how could you not read that, right? And was, and he's got the, the host of the Savage Love Cast. Yes. You know, you got to say that. The Savage Love Cast. <laughs> Wait, can I, I can, go, go as deep as you can. Love Cast. Love Cast. <laughs> All right. So Dan is, he's like the go-to man for people who are having troubles in their relationships, right. want some advice in modern times. So let, let's look at my interview with Dan Savage and we'll just find out how do you become an expert sex columnist. Let's check it out. It was an accident. It's the kind of job you really can't run out looking for. You, you can't go to any university and get a degree in advice columning. Uh, I met somebody who was starting a newspaper and I said, oh, you should have an advice column because everybody reads them. You see that Q&A format, you have to read it. Who, who, who was that person? Tim Keck, who was okay. the... Why do I know that name? He was the founder of The Onion. Um, um, yeah. And so at first it was just a joke. I was going to, uh, because I was a gay guy and I was going to write this advice column about straight sex for straight people. And the joke was I was going to treat straight people and straight sex with the same contempt and revulsion that straight advice columnists like Ann Landers had always treated gay people and gay sex with. That would be hilarious. It was hilarious. And straight people loved it mm -hmm. because it was a new experience for them to be treated that way. Uh -huh. And I just started getting tons. As the weird one. As yeah. the weird yeah, one. Yeah. And I started getting tons of letters with real questions in them. And my fake joke, going to do this for six months or a year advice column, turned into... I've been doing it for 24 years, real advice column. Do you feel qualified? Um, this question is not about whether you're academically qualified, but just whether you're culturally qualified to advise on any combination of these gender permutations, as we would say in mathematics. Well, the only qualification you need to give your advice is some idiot was fool enough to ask you for it. <laughs> Dan Savage. Wow, yeah. that's very cool. Now, did you catch the fact that I was not in shirt and tie in that interview? I was going to say that I really, really I, I like the relaxed to, Neil. I stripped down to my t-shirt on that one. Yeah. So I can hang with the man. Okay, right on. You're cool. That, that You're was very, very cool. gay of you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> By the way, let me not just... Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I was right, right. Say, yeah. <laughs> let me go on record and say that that is my fantasy of my gay boyfriend. Oh, is like, that right? Yeah, if I had a gay boyfriend, that would be like, you know what I mean? He's like good looking and smart and, uh -huh. you know what I mean? And he's funny and, you know, like that would be the guy. You're talking here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True confessions, you heard it here. Um, so, of course, relationships and advice columns, it's all, somewhere you part the curtains, there's typically the search for love right. in there. So you're an academic. Have you been able to define love? 
Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we've evolved three distinctly different brain systems for mating and reproduction. One is the sex drive. Okay. Second one is feelings of intense romantic love. Mm -hmm. And the third is feelings of deep attachment. And I think all different forms of love are, you know, all kinds of different permutations, you like that word, uh, combinations of, uh, of these three basic brain systems operating in all kinds of ways to... And that allows you to explain a lot of behavior that people exhibit when yeah. they're falling in and out of love. But what I study is, I, I really study romantic love the the second of those three things and there's a very uh, specific things that happen the first thing that happens when you fall madly in love is a person takes on what I call special meaning and then you focus on them you can list what you don't like about them but you just sweep that aside and then focus on what you do okay so do you now I, I my records show here that you you're like a, a an advisor for Match.com? I'm, right? I'm chief scientific advisor to Match. Chief, yeah. chief <laughs> scientific <laughs> advisor. Whoa. No, that's hot. That's hot. Ch chief scientific advisor. I gotta tell you, right now, I just got a little more attracted to you. <laughs> and that works for me. <laughs> hey, get a room, you know. No. So, <laughs> get a room. So, so what's going on in the mind mm -hmm. of a one-night stand? Of a one-night stand? Are, are, are they equally yeah. as... The, from, the problem yeah. with that is, is not going on in the mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem. <laughs> First of all, it's, um, well, you can, um, all kinds of people, over one-third of Americans have had a one-night stand. Actually, almost 60% have had a one-night stand. But what's interesting about one-night stands, over 30% turned into a long-term partnership. And that's exactly and there, and there's, how... There's, there's brain circuitry for why. So basically, casual sex is not casual unless you're so drunk you don't remember it. It's not casual. It's Things not happen ca in the brain. Because I, had to, I asked, had to ask Dan that because people are yeah. asking him this all the time. And yeah. he, he he's in a long-term marriage right. that began as a one-night stand. A lot of people have. I mean, as I say, over 30% of people have had a one-night stand turn into a long-term relationship. Let's find out what he's, he's going to tell us about one-night stand. I think that happens a lot more often than we know. Because people who meet... Because the one-night stand has such a stigma. Right. People oh who God. have sleazy meetings, they don't tell their kids about it. If mm -hmm. your parents met in rehab, if your parents met in a sex club or a dungeon somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to... Or gonna the backseat of a 57 yeah, Chevy. They're right. not going to tell you. Okay. Um, I actually wrote a series of columns. This is how long I've been doing my advice column. Uh, while Ann Landers was writing hers, she w wrote a column, a bunch of columns, where she invited her readers to share their how-they-met stories. And there were all these meet cute stories. I danced with this boy at a USO, danced during the war, and then we wrote letters to each other all through the war, and then we met. Ran into the generation the who are now yeah, full up adults. Yeah, but they were all, like, so innocent all of her stories. And I was just thinking about the people I knew who were in successful, loving, long-term relationships, many of which had really not innocent starts, who met, who had one-night stands like Terry and I did, who met in rehab, who, you know, had a drunken three-way and then fell in love with the ex, the guest at the three-way, the, 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 the third, oh. the spare. And, the spare. <laughs> and those aren't the stories you're going to tell your grandparents or your kids. No, that never gets out. No, no, no. no. So we have this distorted view of how a decent, loving relationship must start. And then people do this thing. No, wait, I have to interrupt. You, you made such an important point there. Because if we give the view of love and romance that we want to be true, and that's what percolates, then we establish culture and social mores based on that, so that if anyone is different from it, you get ostracized. Or... That's, no, that's, tra that's tragic. It is actually. tragic, but it's actually not, I think, the most damaging aspect of this sort of cultural belief that no decent relationship can have a sleazy start because people will discount uh, people as potential partners that they had a sleazy 
uh, meeting with. Mm. They will say, I, you know, I might date this person. This might have been someone I would date, but look at what they did. Like, I couldn't date this person. We had a one-night stand. And no decent relationship can grow from a one-night stand, so I can't date this person. And no, decent relationships grow all the time from one-night stands. Oh, wow. absolutely, yeah, they do, yeah. for good biological reasons, too. Yeah. I mean, any stimulation of the genitals drives up the dopamine system, and can you can fall, uh, push you over the threshold into falling in love. And then uh, with um, orgasm, there's a real flood of oxytocin, giving you feelings of deep attachment. So sex is bottom a drug, line is, is what you just said. Uh, say that again? Sex is a drug, is what sex, you just well, said. Sex is a drug, definitely a huge yeah. drug. What people, But it's even, an even bigger drug is romantic love. People don't, you know, you ask somebody to casually go to bed with you, and they say, no, thank you. You don't kill yourself. You know, around the world. Speak for uh, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Right. Most crimes and passions aren't over that. Right. I'm sorry for right. you. <laughs> yeah, but what about? Okay, you. Okay, you. You said something very important. That this is a natural biochemical phenomenon going on within us all. Absolutely. It is biology. Yeah. So then, why does the one night stand carry a stigma? That's a really good question. I'll tell you yeah. why. Okay, good. Because part of it is what he said, which was it doesn't make for a great story later on when you're with that person. That's why even mm -hmm. if you did meet and when I stand, you will change the story. You will not say to your children, you know, when I met your mother, that ball gag looked so great in her mouth. <laughs> and the way she used that riding crop was amazing. What the and on top of that, she gave me a discount. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. I can't imagine that's going to be the start of a good relationship. To be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> I, have but to I, I think that, you know, I mean, for, for thousands of years, marriage was the beginning of a relationship. Now it's the finale. We are really doing what I call fast sex and slow love. So, love, we speak, speak of it as being uh, something that you, you, you're implying all these urges imply that you know much more about the person than some people would claim who would assert that they were in love, for example, on first sight. Yeah. It's very so, easy to explain love at first sight, actually. It's, so you can explain everything. Well, not everything, but I can do that one. <laughs> <laughs> so when we come back, let's find out more about love at first sight on Starbucks. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Back. 
Chuck Nice. Hey, hey. Always good Chuck to be on the, uh, in the house. In the house. And we've got Helen Fisher, an expert on sex, because tonight we're talking about sex. And love. And love and relationships. Mm -hmm. And we're featuring my interview with Dan Savage, uh, and he's a uh, author of Savage Love, mm -hmm. the advice column. Only the best kind. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious about something. There, some of the most famous love stories yeah. would include, uh, I don't know, uh, Cleopatra and, right. and, 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 uh, there's beauty that might attract a man, uh, if, if it's female beauty, uh, heterosexual female beauty, we think right. of the beauty of Helen of Troy. Right. And, and she wants a thousand ships. You know, looks do count. I mean, there's, there's breaking points all through a relationship. And the very first thing you do is you look at them. This is why Tinder is popular. That's why Tinder is popular. Exactly. Right. Love and at first why, sight. Absolutely. Is it love at first sight or is it lust at first sight? It depends, you know. No, it doesn't. It's lust. <laughs> it is lust. It's both. I mean, it's very often both. I mean, you can trigger the brain circuitry for romantic love, and then everything about a person is sexy from wow. that moment on. Wow. And then you can you can go to bed with somebody and trigger the brain circuitry for romantic love. So, so they can true. be very well connected. So she's got the wiring yeah. going, going. Yes, going. unless you're so drunk you can't remember it, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 uh, you know, so sex doesn't mean something. I asked Dan Savage, is love at first sight really possible? Because yeah. he's got data from people trying to ask him about it. Let's check it out. Love at first sight is one of those phenomena that is, is, is some people believe it's true because uh, well because it would happen to them it jives with their personal experience yeah. um, but uh, th it's a logical fallacy because you may have had the exact same initial feelings about somebody else and it didn't work out and so you don't say love at first sight isn't true because when I felt love at first sight feelings for this person and it didn't work out, it disproved the theory. But I felt it for this person and it worked out, so it proves the theory. So they, they, they remember the hits and not the misses is what right. it is. And you could be with somebody where you had this like love at first sight feeling, be with them all your life, and you can say, oh, love at first sight is a true thing and it actually happens. But somebody else may have had the exact same feelings for another person who turned out to be a jerk and it didn't work out. Right. You may have had the exact same feelings for somebody before you had your love at first sight experience. Love at first sight, hate at second sight. <laughs> yeah, love at first sight, hate in divorce court 15 years later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so he's looking at all the data. All, not the, all data. Of the data. But no, but he, yeah. if, if you had love at first sight and you ended up divorced, then it's not right. really... The well, true love that people look for from fairy tales. Ah, true love. That's a different issue. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. But the bottom line is it's very easy to explain love at first sight. The brain circuitry for romantic love is like the fear system. You can be scared instantly, and you can fall in love instantly. Right. And uh, we really want to get to know somebody before we ever tie the knot. And so first things we get in, right in bed with them, you learn a lot between the sheets mm -hmm. about somebody. And then you move into the friends We're with on the benefits. The pool table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say I that? imagine that would work. <laughs> So basically, you know, you get him into bed right off the bat, bat and or on the pool table, whatever, and then you, then you get, uh, you know, the um, friends with benefits, and yeah. then you live together. And even with the marriage, uh, one third of Americans want to have some sort of uh, prenup agreement. So, you know, but because we are marrying so much later and really knowing the person before we do marry them, I think I'm very optimistic about the future that more and more relationships will so these, will retain will remain. So this is the secret to a successful relationship is what you're suggesting. Uh, I don't want to advise people to do it on a pool table well, in order well, to have a well, 15 well, year marriage. No, he meant the part about getting to know each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's find out what Dan Savage, what, what his recipe might be for a successful relationship. Check it out. I think being good to each other, taking care of each other, and not taking each other for granted. 
Um, and to try to put th keep things in perspective, you know, as a relationship advisor, what I'm constantly noticing is people who are obsessed with the things in their relationships that annoy them. And they can, they can be very articulate and long-winded about their partner's faults or the things that they're dissatisfied with in the relationship. And nowhere near as long-winded uh, or articulate about their partner's strengths or what's good about the relationship. I call it paying the price of admission in a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. There are things about your partner, there are edges you're gonna wanna sand off. There are things that as you come together, you're gonna carve a groove in each other so you fit. There's no the one. There's no perfect person for you. There's maybe a 0.64 and you round that guy up to one or that woman up to one or that some other point along the gender spectrum up to one. Um, you make them the one. That's an act of will that you did for them and they're doing the same for you. To make that that's happen, an under, that's an under-recognized need in a relationship. Because people are saying, I want the person who I will then never have to change. Or, right. And in practice, no. That doesn't, that person if doesn't such exist. a person exists, you're not finding them because there's 7 billion people in the world. That person doesn't exist. Even inside of 7 billion. E even in 7 billion, that person, even if we get to 7 trillion, that person does not exist. Okay. So, people, people grind against each other. People annoy each other. So the inter, in math, we might call that the, the, the intersection function. That mm -hmm. function uh, will, in any healthy relationship, need to be continually adjusted and modified. Right. But my point is, with the price of admission, is you sand off the edges you can sand off so you fit together more comfortably. But then you have to identify those things that no matter how much you bitch and complain about them will never change. And you have to ask yourself, is this person worth paying the price of admission to put up with that? And not put up with it and complain about it and guilt them about it all the time. Put up with it and shut up about it. So you have to weigh the rest of the relationship and say that right. it's worth it. Right. back with Star Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm here with Kristen Shaw. Oh, such a pleasure to be here, Neil. Yes, I love having you on this. And I got you here because, not just because you're funny and I like having you around, but on this show of the science of sex, who knew that you had written a book yes. called The Sexy Book of Sexy Sex? Yeah, I know a lot about sex. And that makes you an expert. It does. <laughs> so we also have a clips from my interview with Mary Roach, who wrote the book Bunk. Okay. Right? She's into one-syllable, uh, one-word book titles. And she studied the science of sex. In this next clip, she mentioned some surprising facts about erections. Oh, yes. The only other erectile tissue in the human body is in the nose. When you have a cold, you basically have a nose boner. Did you, you didn't know that. I did not know that. Okay. The nipples, that's a different erection system. That's muscle squeezing. That's not erectile tissue. That's a muscular it's, it's, erection of... You're saying it's not filling with blood? Isn't that what not it is? In the nipples, no. The nipples are little muscles squeezing it upright. The nose, I didn't know that. The nose, it's that spongy... Spongy that fills with blood. So people have enlarged nose from the flu, they have nose erections. That's what you're telling that's me. exactly. Okay. And, okay, here's another good... Wait, so the nipples is just muscles? Muscles, yeah, like contracting to squeeze it and push it up. Okay, why are they contracting? What oh, value is that to... Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know why when it's cold they do right. that. that I when it's cold or aroused, which is two or really or different or yes, things, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I would imagine it has to do with suckling, with, with breastfeeding. Like, it helps the child to find the nipple. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. if you know if you're manipulating the nipple and then it gets erect then it's easier to find and it's easiest for your sexual arousal system to be brought to bear when you're breastfeeding so that you can feed the child and want to do so again and again right Otherwise, the child dies. Right, so that makes and sense. And so your sexual arousal system is a really convenient system to tap when you're yeah, breastfeeding. When you're talking about something, life and death, passing on your genetic material. Right, yeah. right, okay. It's a handy reinforcing system. So give me another top tip. Okay, here's one. Women have nocturnal erections on the same sort of cycle as men. Little tiny, little clitoral erections. And that somebody wired up a fairly large clitoris with a strain gauge, figured it out, brought them into a lab. Now, here's one. Tell me the difference between an erection that's sexually aroused and one that's just there, that has no correspondence with sex at all. One that's just there? Yeah. Is it possible for the body to just do it without stimulus because it's just... You know, three in the afternoon. Well, not like a nocturnal. Well, emotion. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's maybe. That's one theory that I've heard is it's just sort of the body making sure everything still works. It doesn't <laughs> really like just, you know, Going in the through. same way that you turn on a 1964 Mustang every six months to make sure it's um, like just turn it on and make sure everything. Pulmonary works. system, check. Check. Sexual arousal, check. <laughs> Did you know this about your nipples? Yeah, I figured. Because I think in caveman times, too, when the ladies were out and they were cold, maybe they could get a guy to give them a hug. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Before they invented fire. In that last clip, we talked about surprising facts about erections. You talk much about erections in your book? Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially about erectile dysfunction. Really? What do you say about it? Um, Just that you should kill yourself if you have it, I think. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, I, I think we have... That's why there's medicine. <laughs> because I think, you know, the frontier of sexual research, as Mary Roach will tell us in the next clip, might be through medications, through pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And look at all the other things we enhance in life by chemically induced forces, right? I mean, like if, if you're a little sleeping, you want to be awake, pump yourself with caffeine. If you want to lift high, heavier weights, you get steroids. Yeah. You want to get the red out of your eye, you use, you know, Visine or what, that, whatever is the brand. That's a chemical? Everything we put in our body is a chemical. Oh, man. That's what it's all about. We're just a sack of chemicals. We're just going to be adapting to the chemicals. Exactly. (laughs) So it's we and the chemicals together that makes the life that we lead. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't that also play out with regard to sex? So let's find out what Mary Roach says about the frontier of sexual research in chemistry. Give it to me, Roach! Is there still a frontier of sexual research that is beyond what has been done so far? Well, these days it tends to be pharmaceutical stuff, like looking for a pill for postmenopausal women with flagging libido. That's where all the money is uh, now. Of course, right. Yeah, it's, they're looking kind of, it isn't a female Viagra because obviously Viagra has to do with, you know, vasodilation and erection. Women don't need an erection. Right, right. So, but metaphorically, it's well, the same. It's, it has to do with sex drive and libido. That's what they're looking for. Viagra is more for a performance. Here's what I wonder. If your libido drops and you're just less interested in sex, what's your incentive to bring it back? Like, what do you care? Just have less sex. Your husband wants you to. Oh, so it's a mismatch. It's a mismatch, right. And especially now that there's Viagra. Because it used to be maybe there's a little bit of harmony in advancing years. And now you bring Viagra in. And And now the man's ready at any time of day. That's right. And the woman's like, oh my God. For at least four hours at a time. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's right. Or... It can be upsetting if you're somebody who you used to have a really healthy libido and you think this is part of who I am and all of a sudden you just don't think about sex anymore and maybe that's something you want to change. 
There it is. So if we find a chemical that'll make women aroused yeah. when they wouldn't otherwise be, mm -hmm. and then you have Viagra, mm -hmm. then do you worry that the future of the world, everyone is just having sex? No, and, I and think then the economy collapses. Beautiful. Yeah, I hope it does. Maybe that's why the economy is collapsing big now. <laughs> Let's go to my next clip with Mary Roach. She was yeah. kind enough to visit me in my office at the Planetarium. That's Planet huge. Terror. How'd you even get there? I know, there? it was fun. It was fun. And I pulled out my trusty microphone. And let's talk about arousal and the role of pornography. Okay. Usually what's going on with the scientists in the white coats and the people having sex, it's one person and a finger or a vibrator. I mean, if you're studying oh. arousal and orgasm, you don't need two people. Okay. So just for simplicity's sake, mm -hmm. just you have one person come okay. in and whether they're in an MRI or you're whatever, you're, you're rigging them up for, for measurement, it's, it's simpler to establish. So it's really just the autonomic response. So it's not the arousal triggered by another person. It's, it assumes you could do it yourself or that a machine right. can and do it to you. and sometimes they and they show um they'll show pictures yes they call it visual erotic stimulation it's porn <laughs> v-e-s get that it's in one be... syllable porn yeah okay. so they'll show snippets and i i okay, so you... thought there was a special educational scientific research porn supply house i said where do you get these films and she looked at me like of course you get them at the porn shop yeah the porn shop on the corner porn you... shop yeah. yeah they're not a special medical it's version a special... i'm a prescription I for <laughs> i did i thought it was like a special somehow sanitized erotic <clears throat> scientific video but no is there an understanding of why women are perfectly arousable with softcore porn in ways that a man might require hardcore porn? Do they look at sex differences among they did. arousal? Well, you know, this is kind of counterintuitive, but what they found, surprisingly, that men were aroused by porn that fit their sexual orientation. Like, they weren't aroused by gay or if there are animals involved or whatever. They were aroused by men and women having sex or women and women because there's two naked women. Right. But the women responded to anything. The entire spectrum. The entire spectrum. Animals. Anything. You name it. They responded in terms of the measurement. Yeah, not what they would say, but what, how yeah. the body was reacting. Vaginal blood flow. Because they can't say. Well, or they just didn't pick up on it. Like, either they were in denial or they were so subtle that they weren't picking up on it. But physiologically, they responded to everything. They used, I think, some images of bonobo monkeys. Anything. Anything will turn And no one thinks that. People think of, you know, men as being visually stimulated and women as just could care less. But if you asked the women, they wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, they, I mean, they might say that didn't do anything for me. But they're... We have electrodes that say otherwise. Their, their vaginas were saying otherwise. Your, your, your <laughs> and this is also... There's a disconnect with women between the vagina, the body, and the brain. Like, Viagra actually does, quote-unquote, work on women. It does increase vaginal blood flow, but the women don't pick up on it. They don't feel aroused. It doesn't change It doesn't the urge. change their... No, no. It does have an effect, but it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, which is make them feeling like they want to have sex. Right, so, so it doesn't affect the libido. It doesn't the affect the libido. So that is an interesting disconnect that isn't there with men so much. And I asked a researcher, like, well, why, why is this? She said, well, it could be just because if you're a man, you know, and you have an erection, it's kind of hard to ignore. <laughs> and you're a woman, it's a little more subtle. Wow. So women are turned on by everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Even if you won't admit it to yourself. Well, I'll admit it. I've watched game porn, and I really like it. Really? Yeah, Gay okay, guys, do. guys do it. Guys on well, guys. Well, two guys. But Four two guys in a train. <laughs> they can do that. Okay, and four they women. They do a lot of stuff. Well, but, there's, but, but what Mary Roach was saying is it's, it's animals. Bonobo's monkeys are incredible, too. Bonobos. You should do a whole segment on them. So they, they just like it. Yeah, they just like, they'll hump you to say hello. <laughs> Ugh, they're amazing. <laughs> but, 
but you're very close genetically to us. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we're in denial of true inner urges. Maybe. You know, usually to find monogamous other animals, we have to like find tree shrews or something or bald eagles, but not the very closest genetic <laughs> identity to us, the bonobo chimps. Bonobo chimps. So what do you know about bonobos? Did you like see the Nature Channel? What? Oh yeah, well I researched them for the book. We have a section, we have a section in the book about them because in your they're book, so- the Sexy Book of Sexy Sex. Yeah, we have a, a section about our, could we, what, what we did is we went into the jungle and we lived with the bonobos. <laughs> so we learned our language. <laughs> So sex them. is their is their is their vehicle mm-hmm, to, to communicate. communicate ideas and thoughts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so are you in denial of this result? That, or, no, hundred percent. I agree. I you're, agree. you're on it. Well, because women too. I think. Well, I don't know. I, I you know because the biggest sexual organ, of course, is the brain, and so it's it's silly to Just say that women tell each other, right? Oh. A guy would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's well known the guy's brain ceases function. <laughs> That is, that well, is like, clear. Right. Well, let's just say for today that the, the, the brain is, is the man's smallest woman. sexual yeah. organ, okay? It plays no role. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we have fantasies, and also we have all our smut novels, too. You can't forget those. Oh, like, right. on the chain, like, that's how I learned about sex, too, was I I would just flip to page 60 and page 180 of the, all those all Harlequin need. romance just the two pages. Novels. That's when they started it. Um, <laughs> that's when they started, then they had a fight, and then, ah, oh, made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Makeup sex, right? Mm-hmm, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew a woman who was a romance novelist. It was yeah. I was kind of scared to walk by her. Why? Well, because you know you just never know what's going on in their head. Oh well, yeah. what's going on in her head is going on in all our heads. <laughs> When we come back, more of the science of sex with Christian Shaw and my clips with the author Mary Roach. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. See you in a moment. Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. <laughs> so, Chuck, what questions you have called from our uh, our listening audience? Well, you know, um, I I recognize this handle as somebody I I know on Twitter, so I figure I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, this is from at uh, Ben Makes TV, and Ooh. he wants to know this: Why does no one love me? Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's because uh, you pleasure yourself publicly on the train. And people people just can't forgive that, fan. They can't forgive you for it. Let, let, me, let me broaden the question, Helen, and ask, is there someone for everyone? Sure. The, if there is, then the person who can't find love is not looking hard enough. They're not looking hard enough. You, you know, if you go on these dating sites, it does require some work. You know, first of all, he's probably too picky. Uh, you know, lower your standards. Uh, the guy who's looking for for, no, for love. Looking for love. I mean, um, when in doubt, lower your standards. Is this advice you're giving us, Helen? <laughs> I got your book here, The Anatomy of Love. You're telling us. Think of reasons to say yes. You okay. know, there's a huge part of the brain that enables us to overlook the negative and focus on the positive. We do it all the time. Uh, all when the- we want to. Yeah, when you but one of the problems when you're meeting people online is you know so little about them when you start out mm-hmm. that you over you know you overweight those few things that you know and and you break it up before you the more you get to know somebody the more you like them mm-hmm. you got to give people a chance you know and, but see now that is a chemical thing because 
and oh, I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble if I say this. Uh, oof, oh, I'm going to say we it. We can edit this, Chuck. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> All right, so here's the truth. I have often sat and said to myself, why after I... 18 years of marriage. Okay, stop there. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Let me protect Chuck from no, himself. I'm not going to say this. I'm just going to protect oh, Chuck. Back away from the microphone. <laughs> but I've put people in scanners. <laughs> it's possible to remain in love long term. I, we have, I and my colleagues have put um, 17 people into the scanner who were married an average of 21 years. So you, you're, you're well, no, behind my, the game. I'm still in and, love. Uh, are you, no, that's my point. That's I'm good. back away from the mic, Chuck. No, you're right. I said, right. okay, but I'm still in love. Yeah. In love. I mean, yes, I'm in love. I'm, However, yeah, no, now right. listen to me. Don't, and I'm, you know what? Listen, if I were to put it down on paper, yeah. I should not be in love. Yeah. I should not Very be. Unrealistic. I really, I should not be. Yeah. This woman, I love her to death, and there's nothing she can do that's wrong. And if I were to actually go and say all the stuff that I probably would be like, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like. I should have left oh. long ago. So if you if you well, if you deconstruct if I your relationship, my relationship, nothing there. But in total, it's working for you. Oh my God, yeah. it's, it's the best thing ever okay. happened to me. So so Helen, we evolved it. Not our thanks. thanks a lot. <laughs> we evolved to deceive. Chuck, you are lying to yourself. Wait, wait, wait. No, it's you're like, not. No, here's why you are in love with your wife. Wait, wait, Helen, Helen. You are overlooking the negative, and there's a huge part of the brain that enables you to do that and bless it so so but let me let me get let me come in the back door there if you do have a list of what you like in someone and then you put it on one of these websites and then you find someone that matches it the premise is that's your that's your soulmate but what chuck is saying is if you laid out the the, the inventory if you laid out the portfolio of what then no he would have never met her in that's this true. way yeah, i would have never met her this way i you bet that there correct. are real no you wouldn't have met her but once I you never did met meet her, there are things about that woman that you really like that that ring deep into then your what of, love map. Then what of these yeah. websites that are matching people up and slicing and dicing them in these very yeah. what what is it farm uh, farmers.com farmers.com yeah. so right. farmers can mate other farmers right. meet and mate right. with other it's farmers lifestyle so that you can understand it but the bottom line is these are not dating services these are introducing services the only oh. true algorithm is your own human brain so the faster you can get out and meet the guy or girl in the bar so on the street you know okay. that is just giving you a whole range of people and then you got to do the job we can give you the people but you got to do the job and that's what's really thrilling but would you agree that if you pre if you proscribe right what you think you're going to be attracted to, that is greatly restricting your options. The problem well, it is... it could I mean, be, at least. Yeah, at but least there's a potential for that, yeah. right? It's Listen, staying at home uh, and looking for somebody under the couch is certainly going to, uh, you know, not do much for your options. I mean, mm -hmm. the bottom line is, you know, how many people do you meet through your friends? How many do you meet at work? How many people do you meet when you're playing, center, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. at the fitness center? And you run through all that. And then how are you going to meet people? No, I think these dating services, introducing services, service. give you a much broader range than you, than we've ever had in all of our oh, human I would agree. Wait, even the ones that specify, because there's J-Date for, for right. Jews. And right, lately, they've, there's like a white people one. And white people meet? But white people. Yeah. <laughs>
What, do they really have a hard time finding black people meet? To which I told a friend, how could I ever meet a white girl on black people meet? (laughs) (laughs) No, but what kind of craziness is that? But do do white people actually have a problem finding other white people in a country that... that, that... Uh, Apparently, all these white people live in Detroit. (laughs) It's like, I don't know where I'm going to find another white person. Every time I look around, I'm in Detroit and I can't find any white people. I need a web service to help me find one. Web service to help me... No. But you do meet many more people on these dating sites than we ever did through all of history. Plus, throughout your life. I mean, we've got things like Our Time, which is for people over 50. I mean, I can't stand in a bar and have the perfect boy rock by. Uh-huh. You know, uh, uh, you're selling yourself short there, Helen. Thank you. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> what party do you have in mind? <laughs> so, Chuck, what are the questions right, you got let's there? let's get back to this. So, tell, tell, which we told our boy here to get out. Ben, get the hell off the couch. Get out the house. Get right. out the house, yeah. Ben. Right. That's the answer to your question, mm-hmm. all right? <clears throat> oh, wait, 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 just, just, I'm sorry. Uh, just to round that out, round out that question. Go ahead. Should someone change themselves to be more attractive to other people? Ooh, Should they go through a makeover? Good. Should they change their hair? Mm. Should they, other than the minimum hygiene that we expect right. in society, yeah. should someone do that if they're desperate for love? And let me just. And put, then, then if they find that person, did that person fall in love with what they created for themselves? Right. And is it not? Well, really we do good? fall in love with what we created for ourselves. Yes. No matter what, even if somebody fits somewhat within your love map, you overlook what doesn't fit and you focus on what you do. So like we're constantly. Love map, like that, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. We have this, you know, we. Even as small children, we grow up and we we create a list, uh, unconscious list of what we're looking for in a mm-hmm. partner. And then you see the perfect person at the perfect time, and they fit pretty much in your love map. And you get rid of, excuse me, what you what you don't like, and you just focus on what you do. So that's that's good. But what was that other question? Yeah, so, no, what were you going to say? No, I'm saying that uh, you know what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Should you change yourself? All right. Uh, yeah. You know, and on the one hand, the answer is no. Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, uh, you if watch you're it. a man, because don't worry, she's going to do that for. You. you do not have to worry. It's, it's in the card. And be yourself, man, because whatever you are and whoever you are, that is not what you are going to be in two years. Right. Okay. It's a good project for us girls. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot, to, yeah. lot, of, lot, of, yeah. lot of work to do. I, let me tell you, I've, I have a friend that I saw has been 20 years since we've seen each other. Mm-hmm. And we are we, we got to hang out. I was in Philadelphia, and we got to hang out. We haven't seen each other in 20 years. And Philly's at, your place. That's, that's right. my hometown. And mm-hmm. at the end of the night, he was like, Wow, man, you you really have changed, <laughs> and he really hadn't. Yeah. But he's not married. Okay, how did you change? I, 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 he's just me. I, I mean, missing. what did you change? Well, mostly you? now that I'm married, I'm gay. Um, <laughs> that's the most thing, you know, because. <laughs> I think you need to do change. Do, listen, if it's not working, you might ought to make some changes. But I wouldn't certainly make any changes. I mean, first of all, we, it's very hard to make um, changes in personality. You can be somebody else, but it's tiring. Yeah, okay. Act out of right. character. It's an investment of energy yeah, at all times. Yeah, and as it yeah. turns out, you know, you'll turn off, I mean, by being who you are, you will turn off some people. But when you find the right one, that person's going to really love you. So I wouldn't make huge changes. Sure, you you know, you can you can change your hair and, and maybe stop swearing or, mm-hmm. or, you know, read a little bit 
more uh, so that you're better so educated. So you can call them com comfort changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah Things okay. that might make the yeah. other person comfortable. Uh, good, yeah. good. Without really totally Without messing, really with, messing you. with you. Exactly. Your profile. Right. Okay. Unless there's press you don't like of you, and mm -hmm. you know you can work on that too. But uh, you know, uh, as you say, she's going to work on you too. Oh, you, know? you rest assured. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Let us move but on. But men do their work too. You know, women are always scrambling to be, to please. Okay. Yeah, but, but but we don't know that that's what you're doing for us. You just appear that way, and we think, hey, wow, I really like that. Not knowing that you spent five hours creating that, mm -hmm. we just said but we don't, like it. That was very profound say, what you just said. Yeah. Because that is the difference between what makes uh, a woman appreciate you. Because you noticed what she did, uh -huh. but you just gave the true male perspective, which right. is, we're appreciative of it. We just think like, wow, look at you. This right. is how you look. Yeah, we're completely oblivious. Completely oblivious yeah, that oblivious. you actually took effort and time to make yeah, yourself look that way. Right. Uh -huh. We're just like, wow, okay, that we're, we're, we're idiots, right. basically. We can. I don't know. I am for, for men, and I don't think you're idiots. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'll keep to my self-deception on that. Okay, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are. All right, all right, here we go. Uh, this is Ray coming to us from Twitter as well. And Ray has a very simple, succinct question, but I think it's uh, quite uh, in-depth in when you look at it. Uh, why does love hurt? Oh, boy. Boom. That's Ooh. all he asked. But I got to say, that's, that's pretty prolific, what right. he just said. Well, he just asked. It really does. So we've put um, a lot of people into a, a, a scanner who've just been dumped. And the brain regions that become active when you've been, been dumped is three brain regions linked with intense craving, a brain region linked with physical pain. Physical pain. Uh, physical pain, a brain region, and actually uh, aspirin helps. Um, when you're rejected in love, with there's an academic article on that. Wow. And also anxiety that goes along with the physical pain. And you're also brain regions linked with trying to figure out what went wrong, the costs, the benefits, what happened here. And I think so the brain is in overdrive. It is in, it's in a terrible state. This is why we have all these crimes of passion, you know. And why does it hurt? It hurts because you've lost, once I said, you know, life's greatest prize, a mating partner. You've, you've lost a, um, a, the ability to pass your DNA on to eternity. I think nature over. Did it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, oh. We really, uh, we really suffer terribly. And there's basically two stages of getting rejected. The first is protest. You just try to win the person back. You'll try to seduce. Mm -hmm. You'll try to threaten. Yes. Uh, you'll, you'll try to make them jealous and all that. Right. And then you slip into this incredible depression. And, Unless you, you know, get them back. And then, then you get in them back. In which case you slip right. into indifference. Like, why did I ever want you in a... <laughs> 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 why do I keep yeah. doing this? You've heard that other people say this. Yes, uh, yes. Exactly. <laughs> read about it, Chuck. Right, yes. exactly. <laughs> but I, I think it hurts. She thinks it's a real part of the brain center that, that is responsible. no question about it big parts of the brain become incredibly overactive. You know, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't stop crying. You, so it's disruptive you know. to your human physiology. Yes. And to your social relations. And even so love sick is actual sick. It's an actual sick. And you can You're die sick. from being rejected. Um, from, oh, wait, don't tell me you die from a broken heart. You die from um, heart attacks and strokes. So the stress. Okay, so your heart did break. There's a great deal of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> stress actually yeah. manifests itself physically yes. and you end up dying of a stroke or a heart attack yeah. because of... Okay. Yeah, it drives up the dopamine system in the beginning. That gives you all that energy and focus and motivation and craving. And then after a while, you can't get them. You finally give up and you slip into sort of a profound depression. Okay, uh, as a corollary to this, there are people who are in love with people they've never met. Yes, isn't that... So now, are they... They're not the... They're practicing. They're not the, the mating oh. partner that they got to know right. intimately. Right. But nonetheless, the sentence 
sentiment is still there. Right. It's a crush. I mean, it's most largely teenagers, but it can be somebody at work you don't ever dare come close to, but you know, you, you feel all that. It'll go away. They're grown. I agree with the teenager thing, um, but isn't that more women? And when you get older, it's the male stalker of the of the women? Of the no, women? Um, men fall in love faster than women do. Mm -hmm. uh, they fall in love more often than women do. Uh, when they meet somebody that they really like, they want to uh, introduce them to friends and family sooner. Men want to move in sooner. Men have more intimate conversations with their wives than women do with their husbands because women have their intimate conversations with their girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And men are two and a half times more likely to kill themselves when a relationship is over. So men are the more... Wow. So basically... Oh, wait, just to be clear, I think we're, we're more likely to commit suicide in all categories. Uh, probably, uh, yes. I think so. Yes. So, and homicide, you know. Right, right. It's a more mm -hmm. delicate... The men are just completely messed up. I was going to say, it sounds to me like know, we're a bunch of love pussies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Oh, my God, I can't do without you. Do Women it. are pretty bad, believe me. I've had them on my couch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay, so we've established it's, a, it's, it's real. It's real. The pain no is hurt. real. It's not imagined. You can't just say, get over it. It's like breaking your leg and saying, get over it. Exactly. As a matter of fact, a week later, you can't remember any physical uh, pain in your tooth. But a week later, you're still really suffering from romantic rejection. Mm. Wow. So that's baggage, I think. That's evolutionary baggage. Is there any truth to the fact that they say for every, uh, for every year you're together, it takes six months to get over I don't know the. That's interesting. Yeah, they say yeah. so forever. If you're together with. Wait, so at some point, it would take longer than your life, your actuarial life expectancy. Exactly. Yeah. To get over it. It's going to depend on who you are, what your other mm -hmm. alternatives are, how much you invested in it, how old you are. There's going to be many forces in how you get over it. And it's not. Whether you bought the couch together, because then you'll have to take the <laughs> chainsaw <laughs> and cut it in half when you split up. Oh, thank God we didn't buy the dog together. <laughs> 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 Here we go. Let's Got move that. on. Move, move, move on up. This is Joe Pettengill from Portland, Portland, Oregon, coming to us through Facebook once right. you know this. Biologically, how does the love of a pet differ from the love of a person or love of an object? Mm -hmm. Does this mean a person's love of a pet, not a pet's love of the person? Right, not a right, pet's right. love of a person. Right. But even though that's a very interesting, I'd like to know about that now that you brought it up. Like, you know. Well, I don't know if she studies non-human uh, animals. Oh, that's well, I great. do. I do, because you have to understand... Um, you scare me every day you keep talking and telling me what you put in your machine. <laughs> I think that's very cool. <laughs> I think my dog wants people. to bang me. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but, you know, there's a constellation of traits that are linked with feelings. You have permission to use that word in that way for me. Oh, uh, thank you. A constellation, uh, yes, good. And um, among those things are the um, drive to actually have sex with the person. And you really don't. Most people want to have sex with their dogs. So mm. you have many of the traits linked with romantic love. I mean, the obsession, the, the focus, the, the you know, you think your dog's the best looking dog in the whole universe. It's the only dog that's alive that counts, et cetera, et cetera. So it has some of the characteristics of intense romantic love and feelings of deep attachment, that second brain system. But you don't have any of these sex, sexual things. And, you so know. It's, it's the intimacy or physical intimacy yes. that sets that apart. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so here's you an interesting... You can fall in love with your small baby, too. And, you know, you can fall in love with all kinds kinds of things, but yes, it's that sexual component that's missing. Fall in love with a toaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just don't have sex with <laughs> It'll be hot. <laughs> Wait, so I have a, I have a question uh, in, on that an animal frontier. Uh, dogs were basically bred yeah. for their loyalty to humans, among other properties. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, there's an old saying, be the person who your dog thinks you are. Well, how wonderful. 
wonderful. Yeah, because your dog thinks you're the greatest thing ever. You come home, no matter what, no matter the day the dog had, no matter the day that you are the best person there ever was to happen to them. So that might might um, fool you into thinking that this is a relationship. Right. And the person appreciates you for who and what you are. Right. Now, cats, not so much. No, not right. so much. So do we have data to show that people have stronger relationships with their dogs than they do with their cats? Yes. Because the dog is reciprocal in its... In its yes. In its, Mm. Yes, and in fact, um, you know, they call it chick bait. I mean, a, a man with a dog walking down the street um, picks up more girls than uh, if he's walking along with a cat. Must love dogs, the whole yeah. movie yeah. with that title. Uh, Must love dogs. He's, he's basically advertising that he can take care of something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a pretty low bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take care of a pet. Okay. Maybe he's good mating material. <laughs> That's exactly, actually, we've got data he on that. He picks up the poop. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You've been listening to a special mashup edition of Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and as always, I bid you to keep looking up.